Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's programme with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And, uh, well, I'm hungry already, because a lot of it's to do with food, and particularly the uh, Isle of Man Food and Drink Festival. I have a chat with Audrey Fowler, who's the marketing officer for DEFA, and uh, she's well in charge of that event, uh, along with the helpers. But this year, very successful as well, the ninth year it's been happening, and uh, I got some figures from her about how many numbers had come through the gates, and it's surprising uh, what the uh, money that passed over for the people that were taking part in the event this year as well, what it generated. And also, of course, looking for sponsorship for next year's 10th anniversary of it. Also, I had a chat with Andrew Lees, who's the Food Business Development Manager for DEFA, about how the new Manx Providence labels are going, uh, how many more people have signed up to it, and particularly the uh, the Butcher's Charter. There was only one which we mentioned uh, that was there at the Isle of Man Food and Drink Festival, but I think it's up to four or five people now, so he tells me more about uh, how and why people are getting involved in that. And you, Kerry, uh, the wool, of course, was uh, trimmed off the sheep earlier in the year. Well, it's been stored at Nokalo and Patrick, and now it's time for the big wool bales. Not bales like straw, but the big bags full of the wool. They're making their journey off the island to be turned to all sorts of products. Yeah, I caught up with Andrew Willoughby from the Wool Board out at Nokalo, and we had a good chat about how the wool is processed from the shearer right the way through to the grader and then exported out to Bradford and sold. And uh, what a fascinating story. And to watch the boys working in that wool factory, getting the bales ready, it's just brilliant. And it's great that you managed to get a chat with somebody who is at the other end of it and actually using the product. To speak to an enthusiastic person that uses that wool product as a knitter, making garments, selling them to local people in different towns around the UK. It was really bringing the whole picture together. And Hazel Smith from Erst was so passionate and a young person as well. It's just really, really good to get out on social media and to attend these festivals that are on that are really promoting British wool. Yeah, well, sit back in your woolly pyjamas and you can listen to Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, a lot of people who produce and sell Manx produce here on the Isle of Man are getting involved with the provenance labels to prove and to display on the shelves and the shops and stores around the Isle of Man that their produce is mostly Manx or completely made here on the island. Well, I went along to speak to Food Business Development Manager for DEFA, Andrew Lees, to find out more about the Butcher's Charter also. The Butcher's Charter was launched at the Royal Show and basically... In a nutshell, it allows any of the consumers to know when they go into a butcher's shop, is the meat Manx. It's as simple as that. We've got now got five butchers on. You know, we've got Tears who started it. We've people got Lee Mayers, Hardings, Barakan and Balakelli. And when you go in, you'll be able to see that the product or the meat that's been for sale has been grown, reared, slaughtered on the Isle of Man. And it can be traced all the way back. So you, So the consumer has the confidence that what they're purchasing is actually Manx meat. It's not Irish, it's not UK, it is Manx meat that's grown on the Alamo. Has this been sort of spurred on by the government trying to keep businesses going here on the Isle of Man, or the general public moaning that people are maybe deceiving them? I think part of it was, we um, we, we launched the Providence label, the Chief Minister launched the Providence label in May this year, and this is a natural extension because the whole thing around it and part of the Food Matters strategy was around to have a meat provenance label. So we had to build a province label checklist, which we've done, launched, and then the next stage was actually how do we ensure that when people are going in to buy the meat, 
it, it's, they know what it's there. So it's, I think people are now wanting to know where the product comes from. You know, it's not good enough just saying it's, it's from here. They actually want to be wholeheartedly reassured that the, that the product is what it says on the label. And the, the butcher's charger allows the consumer now to see that. And can the, the consumer ask the butcher to trace it back? Is that the idea of it? They're sort of, they know, they've answered your questions on it and they can explain that to the customer? Yeah, I mean, in terms of trying to keep it simple, um, you'll be able to see where it's come from whether it's which producer or from the Alamon Abattoir, the purchase date. And if it's come from the Abattoir, there's a, there's a, a code which um, at any time that you can go, be, go, go back and be checked whether that product's been sold in that butcher's was actually from the Alamon Abattoir. So yes, it, it, there, is a, there is a check now all the way through to actually ensure what, what people are doing is correct. We also have other tools as well, so we, we can actually see, we can actually test the beef if needed be to see if it actually is Manx. So there are other bits and pieces we're working on, but the easiest and quickest thing to do is this butcher's charter where the consumer will be able to now wholeheartedly know it's Manx made. Going back to the labels, um, just looking at them in front of me, there's a blue and a red one. Yeah, we've got two. We've got the product of and the made in. Now, uh, we've now got four, over 400 products now on the, the province label. You know, the 400th one was uh, Farragut's free range, I suppose, Andreas. And again, it shows around the products which are Manx. So the product of, you know they've been either, they've been grown, reared, caught or processed entirely on the Isle of Man. They are Manx products wholeheartedly. So you know that the product of is from the Isle of Man. We have another label saying made in. And that's basically for, we, you know, yes we have a, a great island to live on but not, not always the weather's great for growing things, you know, such as, as you say, cocoa beans or coffee. But again, we use the made in to actually set for products that have come across that we can't grow on the Isle of Man and has to be substantially transformed. So if you take chocolate or coffee, or if the coffee's probably the better one, if you're getting coffee that's coming in as a green bean and roasted, that is substantially transformed. So that a business on the island has basically made a new product. So we have two, we have two of those, but most of the labels that people are requesting are product of, which is simply Manx products through and through. So I suppose the people who... who can't source coffee beans on the Isle of Man. They might use a lot of other products that are here and they just want something to say that at least they've tried to get just about all the products they can locally. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We, we want to make sure that people use as much Manx products as possible. I mean, the whole scheme is free. You know, there's no cost to it. It should take you like, no more than 20 minutes, half an hour to fill in the form and it's reviewed. You know, the, the thing is that it's an easy scheme. It is, it, it is there to support businesses who actively support the Alaman and the agricultural and fisheries sectors. But there's even things in place when I had a, a look through it, you know, that people can't just bring, I'm just using this as an example, an animal over and sell it straight away to our abattoir. No, it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, there is a set of rules and the rules are, if you take <coughs> in terms of bringing an animal straight over, the, you know, they've got to spend a minimum of 75% of its life on the Isle of Man for it to be um, allowed to use this provenance label. You know, we, we, we don't want people to use, to bring things over and five minutes later try and use the label. They've got to have more Manx in it than anything else. You know, the whole point around it is actually to tell the consumer what is Manx and what isn't Manx. And has this been helped by the Isle of Man food and drink festivals that you've been having? Yes, it really has. It's, um, I mean, more and more people are looking looking to where their products coming from coming from you know we we had a fantastic food festival i know the weather wasn't that great but we still had thousands of people come over that come through in that weekend and more and more people are, are looking at 
the provenance label. So yes, it really has. I mean, when we launched it at uh, the, the Butcher's Charter at the Royal Show, it was fantastic. There was there was a crowd of people looking at what we were doing, and it was great to see Tears from Ramsey being the first butcher to actually use this label. And if anyone's got any questions... Just give me a shout. Give me a shout at a DEFA or a real simple email address is food at gov.im and we'll get back to you. Business Development Manager for DEFA, Andrew Lees, telling me about the new butcher's charter that more and more butchers on the Isle of Man are signing up to, plus the uh, clarification uh, of the food provenance labels that are now getting more popular for the Manx producers around the Isle of Man. Well, of course, earlier in the year, the farmers were shearing the wool off the sheep. And where does it go? Well, it all goes to Nokalo in Patrick to get stored. And now it's time to move it off island to get it made into all sorts of produce and jumpers, Kerry. Uh, and you've been speaking, Kerry, to, to somebody who's heavily involved, a man who's got a great knowledge of the wool and the sheep here on the Isle of Man, Andrew Willoughby, Kerry. Yes, Andrew is a field officer but also works hard with the wool board at Nokalo here on the island. And I caught up with Andrew to see how the shearing season has been this summer and as they're preparing to export the wool to Bradford. Shearing season starts in May, usually with tops of the first ones to get shorn and then we'll go on to the lowland sheep. And that carries right on through the summer, June, July and then into August when you'll get the, the hill sheep being clipped. The clip last of all. Obviously with the different breeds of sheep we'll get different types of fleeces coming off. Is there much variation here on the island? Our biggest grade is cross heavy grade and that'll be your uh, things like the mule sheep uh, which is the mainstay of our flock really. We have about 33 tonnes of that wool every year. Then you get the fine heavy breeds which will be the, the Texels and the Suffolks and they're finer quality wools they're going to carpet making and things like that yeah with the different in the breeds will the value alter much between the fleeces yeah the cross heavy grade went last year for 92p a kilo and the fine heavy grade which would be the the fine wools from the texels and whatever that would be up to 82 pence a kilo and then the the first shorn uh, sheep the fine two ewes that was up at 120 uh, a kilo last year but the biggest seller is our locked wool at 166 a kilo uh, well, that came down from the height of 274 about three years ago. So, big variation, but the main important thing is to have clean, clean, dry wool coming in because we can sell that better. And what will drive the price of the fleeces? Like, locked in, there's not so much of it. Is it, is it the amount you can buy? It's the amount and it's the desire for it in different places around the world. Uh, it's quite popular in Japan. Agents come to the UK sales, buy it, send it to Japan. And uh, it's got quite a lot of attraction for smaller spinners and weavers as well. And will you sell much of it locally here on the island for the spinners and weavers? Increasingly, uh, well, not so much lately, but in the past few years, they've taken the bits of wool. And then there's local people who will buy wool off us as well and market that and spin it. And would there be any mileage in having a a manufacturing plant here to make our own products, like, I don't know, tweed jackets and uh, carpets and such like? Well, there is a certain small uh, industry in Laxey where they do make... uh, garments things like that but spinning and the weaving is the end of the process mm. before that you've got kind of what's essentially a dirty product which has to be cleaned and combed and washed and carded and that's a process which uh, creates lots of pollutants so it isn't really viable to do that here on the Isle of Man. I suppose to, you know to deal with the lanolin alone you know you need a lot of what, heat to get it out of the fleece. Yeah a lot of energy to clean the wool and you need to be doing that in large quantities, which they can only really do in the UK. So as our fleeces are, are baled here, at, this is the process that the team are doing here at Nokalo at the minute, these will be loaded onto a lorry and taken to the UK? 
Yeah, and we probably send two or three wagons out, each with uh, 75 bales on, so that'll be about 18 tonnes on each on each wagon. Uh, they'll go across to the, the UK, but prior to them going out, once they're, they're all baled, we'll weigh them, and then we have to core sample them, take a sample of wool for each grade, and then that's analysed at the Wool Testing Authority in Wales, and then that will uh, determine the quality of the wool, the microns, how thick the wool is, and the vegetable matter and the greasiness so that when the buyer's buying online in the Bradford wool auctions, they don't know at their fingertips what quality of the wool they're getting. So. This is a massive process. You know, you just think once the sheep has been sheared in the yard and that is it, but you don't realise what work goes into getting the final price. Yeah, yeah no, we have to uh, do everything we can to try and uh, present our wool in a, in, a good, in a good way. Manx wool is very well thought of at the wool auctions because it's generally clean. But if we can add the, the, the data from core testing, it, then it's not just a visible look that can uh, see on, on, on paper what actually they are buying, the buyers. Because also here at Knockhill, you have a grader that will do the, the process to start with. Yes, he comes over, he's a contract grader, he gets paid by the ton, comes over for three weeks, then he'll go back to his home in Wales, and that's when the boys will set to baling and packaging the wool ready for export. And then when the wool's been exported, he'll come back for another three weeks and grade, so... We have about three or four sessions where he comes over, and uh, depending on how much wool we've got every year. When your wool goes to, for export, is there a certain time in the year that's maybe a better price, or is it sale all year round? Well, sale all, all year round. The wool sales in Bradford start in June every year when the, the fresh wool's been clipped, but we don't have enough wool. It's not effective for us to run wool control all year round because uh, it's too much cost for labour. So we start in September, go through to the end of February, and then we hit four sales during that period. And it's such a global product, wool. we can hit the end of the season when people are looking to book the stocks up for next year. Sometimes you can try and hit the start of the season and you don't get any better price because they're still using the, the wool from the last season. And obviously the, the boys, they work with heavy machinery here to bale it. It is an old-fashioned process, but it seems to still work. Yeah, we've tried to make it more modern from the days when we were at the Brown Bobby in Douglas there. That was an old, essentially a, a wooden floor on steel legs, that, that building. <laughs> yes. And we couldn't use any heavy machinery in there. But since we moved out to Knock Halo here, we can take in a lot more wool. We can take in nearly 50 tonnes this last grading. And we can also use forklift trucks and reduce the manual handling. So we can pick the bales up, squeeze them and put them on the scales, and then put them onto the, the wagon without using hand carts like they used to do in the old days. That was Andrew Willoughby from Defer talking about the wool board. Mighty machine that they've got for, for packing it all together there, isn't it? It really is. It's a, a fantastic operation they have with the team at Knockalo. And uh, to see the big bales all, all stitched up at the end, ready for export, was a really great sight. But it's, it's still... Uh, a big part of the people uh, who are producing wool, part of their year, isn't it? And it's great to see that there's still a lot of people still putting wool into the wool department, which of course used to be at the, the Brown Bobby, but now at Nokalo. That's right. There's lots of good quality wool being produced by our local farmers. And Andrew does praise the farmers for their excellent quality, but it also helps on the selling point as well. It's a, it's a good marketing tool. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, earlier in the programme, we heard from Andrew Lees um, talking about the new labels that are growing in popularity, the Food Providence labels, and also the Butcher's Charter that more people are signing up to. Well, of course, this was all 
been advertised and shown and proven at the Alaman Food and Drink Festival. I spoke to Audrey Fowler to find out how the event went this year. Yes, we were very pleased with it. Once again, we were very, very lucky with a good weekend. We had a wet weather to start setting up in, but um, the weather came good on the Saturday and Sunday. We were really lucky to get a good footfall through. Yeah, and uh, plenty of visitors as well. Yeah, we had over 8,500 people and we had over 60 local food and drink producers and their businesses there. And this year's surveys have estimated that the overall value of revenue generated through the festival is in excess of £230,000. Wow. You would never think that for an outdoor event like that, would you? But um, the surveys have revealed that the average spend per person is £34. So that's the average. I mean, some people come in less than that and some more. But if you average that out with the adults and things that went through, it's a very good spend. So the event actually costs £50,000 to put on. Really? It Mm. does. And then people wonder why they've got to pay to go in. But actually, um, we get our income from sponsorship, ticket sales and exhibitor fees. And the majority of our spend goes on marquee hire, security, first aid, staffing, waste disposal, which is huge, electric supply, which is growing year by year. Uh, all the outside caterers, they all want electric, the site fee and advertising and marketing. So it's surprising where your money goes. And then next year, it's our 10th anniversary. So we're really looking to make it extra special. So the more money we get in, you know, at this time of year to know how much we can spend next year then. Quite a few new people as well at the show, wasn't there? Yes, lots of new producers and that comes along every year. Um, We always get, you know, four or five new ones. Yeah, we're becoming an island artisan, really, aren't we? Uh, Fantastic, the numbers that are coming through. Spoke to Andrew Lees about the provenance labels, the the choices of two that we've got, obviously one to suit the completely made in the Isle of Man and the other as best as people can make it. And I think that's one of the encouraging things and the expansion of it has been happening because of the food and drink festivals. People want to go there, show their product, yeah. and now they want the label to show the public. Well, that's right. Um, they, they want more and more to say, well, this is a Manx product, you know, and you've got confidence that everything that we're using is Manx, and it's great to have that label on that. And people are finding that the Food and Drink Festival is the place to go to showcase their products now. They don't tend to go anywhere else but the festival, so that's good from, from our point of view. One thing as well, you see things in the big supermarkets and shops, a lot of it might be Manx, some of it's not, but at these festivals where it's a little more compact and you know you can go to next door and have something completely different, but you can actually talk to the people who are doing the yeah. thing, can't you? Yeah, so any questions that you have, you can ask the person that's actually making the product. You know, it's very personal and the detail that they can give you is great. So you can do that at the Food and Drink Festival, which is a bit unique, really, to have everybody all under the one umbrella. You're still making plans, of course, already for next year. You mentioned the sponsorship, if you you want anyone to help you back it. Yeah, well, the sponsorship packages do vary, and we can tweak that to suit whichever business that comes along. The packages start at £1,000, up to £10,000. And, you know, the more that we get in now is the better the event will be next year because we do have to break even at the end of the day. But is there a danger of 
new people wanting because because they can get this label now pretty easily and free you know to, to promote the manx product is there a worry that more and more will want to join <laughs> well well that's a good thing yeah. you know if they are doing that for an island of eighty-five thousand people say i mean we have got a fantastic range of food and drink producers compared to other places and if they want to put that label onto their product and it is local and you know made as much manx as possible then why not? You know, the more the, the better, really. And with this label in hand, the conjunction with the Food and Drink Festival, it's the perfect combination, really, yeah. for people to, to do it, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic showcase. I mean, there's all sorts of people that come to that Food and Drink Festival from all walks and backgrounds, really. And you really don't know who's going to be coming along to your stand that could be perhaps a very good customer to you. So um, this is where it all happens for them. And I suppose people who may not have had the labels before, gone to the Food and Drink Festival and seen how well people can do out of showing their produce at the festival, yeah. um, may give them a wake-up call. Sort of thing. Well, it does, um, and, it, and it just gives the general public the confidence that that person is putting as much Manx into there as possible. And when they do go to the supermarket shelves, they know that they're actually supporting the Manx businesses, which is, has a multiplying effect, really, all the way down the line. So if people want to help out or maybe get involved with uh, the Food and Drink Festival, contact yes. yourself? Yes, please, do get in touch. Um, you know, the more help we get, the better. And as I said, we can tweak it to suit you, whichever package you want. Marketing officer for DEFA, Audrey Fowler, pretty happy with the way things have uh, gone this year in the Isle of Man Food and Drink Festival. And of course, looking for assistance for next year's event. Well, earlier in the programme, we heard Andrew Willoughby talking about the quality of the wool here on the Isle of Man, how good the farmers are, and, uh, you know, how good their side of this were trying to find markets for it. And uh, you were speaking to a lady who was over at a recent conference on the island, Kiri, uh, who actually uses it. Yeah, I spoke to Hazel Smith from Erst at the Outer Hebride Islands, a young person that's very interested in wool. And she was chatting about how to get the youth brought back into using an older product and how desirable and high-end this product can be. Well, I came to it as as a knitter from generations of knitters, just enthusiastic people really, hobby, interest in sheep and that sort of thing. I came to the islands for that sort of similar line and I just followed an enterprise that I could see was going somewhere and was going to do great things for the island and did training with them, workshops and, um, you know, found a job from it and was very lucky to have done that. My, My background is in very dull management and project development and um, I did an art degree a very long time ago so I had that sort of creative link as well and it really sort of tied up all my interests as well as agriculture so it sort of was a a really good bit of everything so um, so that was excellent. So where is your island in relation to our island here on the Isle of Man? Okay so we're in the Outer Hebrides, Um, we're off the west coast of Scotland as far out as you can go before you reach America, Um, well apart from St Kilda which isn't populated and yeah it's a it's about a, a best a two-hour ferry ride at worst, maybe five-hour ferry ride from Scottish mainland. So the native sheep with you must be extremely hardy. They're tough guys, tough, wild. Yeah, you ask a crofter about native sheep, they'll shake their heads and go, oh, they're sheep. But they're brilliant. They're absolutely fantastic guys. Yeah. But yeah. recently you've had the great success of building a mill to, to do your productions. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. We've built fabulous, fabulous spinning mill of, with incredibly talented, skilled, well-educated team 
to produce really top quality products from the island, yeah, from island fleece. And do you think, as a young person involved with wool, you can make this into a product that's modern, on trend? Because it is an old-fashioned product, so we speak. Yeah, I can see that. It's, well, I think... For us, we say it's a product with a lot of heritage, that it's got a lot of background that, you know, utilising that to market it it's, for as a modern brand is really important to be able to say, this is part of our tradition, let's continue generating that, continue that language, but also make it speak in a modern way. So um, it's about telling the story of what we do talking about its roots and about its island nature, really marketing it as a modern product, you know, for the garments that it can make that are really um, up to date. You know, knitting is on a huge resurgence, really on a comeback, which is so great because people want items that will last, yeah. that um, they've had a hand in its production for and that's it's natural. Uh, you know, wool is so warm and tough and clean you know it's it's a really fantastic you know product so just all of those links together i think it sells itself and you do an awful lot of marketing for it you, you travel to the to the uk to do the edinburgh wool festival in particular you find that that's a great place mm-hmm. we did we found that was to be incredible the reception that we got for that it was the first one that we did was just phenomenal you know people were thrilled we were there they were clamoring for our story they, it was amazing there were people were queuing outside our stall it was brilliant such a good reception we were thrilled and we couldn't have asked for anything better but yeah getting out there and talking to people is so important for wool people need to handle it they need to touch it know that it's soft we still get a lot of people going oh i can't wear wool it's a bit prickly you need to show them it's not at all it's just it's it's about the quality of the the yarn that you're producing and from british breeds you know it's you don't doesn't have to be merino to be to be handleable as well so handle is really important being able to talk to people uh, enthuse about the product is really important too people want to see that you care about it and oh my god do we <laughs> <laughs> but also the use yeah. of social media I, I see on your presentation in particular you're reaching out to these people and educating them really mm-hmm. yep absolutely telling the the stories of, of where it's come from showing the islands off um, it's a little bit of tourist marketing as well it's important and showing the lifestyle that we lead is you know a real highlight maybe it's a little bit rose tinted i think we also sell the storms and the <laughs> the extremity of where we live you know up to our arms in in fleece and and uh, and all that comes with the fleece is important i think it's just about bringing your process closer to people bringing your customers closer to what's made and you know social media came from facebook and from um reality tv where Mm -hmm. people just wanted a bit more of what's going on in people's lives and from facebook it's about your friends uh, you know and so going to twitter and instagram you need to create that feeling of you know uh, i know those people now i you know i I want to be approachable and yeah but to obviously overcome these challenges it it is a difficult nut to crack but it seems to be working but you guys are so passionate and enthusiastic it it says a lot i think so i think that's the way you keep it going that's the way it started um without that enthusiasm without that incredible drive that wasn't me at all that was the the community and and dana that did the fundraising You, you know you just have to keep knocking on that door just keep you know plowing on and and yeah real sort of passion and knowing that it's going to work to make it happen it's yeah doggedness that was hazel smith a wool enthusiast from erst amazing what they produce from from wool isn't it you know you you see it on the sheep 
heading off, you know, from the farms. And then you see the products that they have in, in shops and high-end quality shops as well, isn't it? That's right. It's such a, a luxury product now. And she was trying to get away from the old myth of the rugged woolly jumper where it was tickly and itchy and all the rest of it. And she says now they mix it with all different types of blends and hairs and make it really desirable and, and lovely to touch. Yeah, it's one of them things. She used to dread the whole woolen jumper. It's true. But it's not you're all right if you had the T-shirt underneath it. But yeah, it is really marvellous what they can produce uh, nowadays with the wool. Well, that's uh, just about it for this week's programme. But just before I go, let me tell you about the Isle of Man Beekeepers Association. They're holding their honey show and convention on Saturday, the 4th of November. That's at St John's Methodist Sunday School. And uh, the opening ceremony will be at 2.30. And the speaker is Gail Orr from Northern Ireland. And there'll be entries for honey uh, from all over the island. Wax candles, flowers and even mead. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. There we are. Another Countryside done there. Great uh, chatting to Andrew Willoughby, you there, Kerry, about the wool. Of course, um, you found me involved in it as well, which makes it extra interesting talking to all these people to find out, you know, because a lot of the time you, you, you're not sure where it's gone in a way. Are you? And today you've had a chance, uh, you know, to, to listen to, to what the knitters and the people who are really passionate about it are doing with it. Well that's right because you hear many farmers saying that the wool price is low and yet the garments in the shop are so expensive but that middle process until you understand what goes into scouring the wool, processing it into yarns and actually making that garment there's a lot of energy used and expense in that middle section and once you understand it. Mm, well I haven't quite grasped it yet but uh, I'll have another listen and see if I can make it uh, work for me in this little brain of mine until next week we'll leave it there for this week we'll be back next week with more so for me Simon Clark and me Kerry Kermit we'll see you then bye 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 don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all new super fast plus broadband enjoy more bandwidth amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month so don't be left behind get a piece of the high speed action with super fast plus broadband from Shaw for details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shore.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.